the book one sooner, though. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Hi! We were talking about dentists! We were indeed talking about dentists, and it's funny because I was actually thinking of doing, like, a dentist horror um, case, but oh. I, I didn't. The end. That <laughs> That's pretty much all I that's had to say get, about guys. that. Bye. Yeah, I did a different <laughs> one, though, but what's your fear for this week, Andrea? Uh, I broke my tooth, so I'm afraid that my teeth are falling out. Well, but it broke. It didn't fall out. I know, but they're clearly weakening. Oh, no. It's old age. Ah, yes. At the tender age of 30-something, right? Okay. (laughs) You don't know my age. (laughs) No, I know your age. I know your age. I just said 30-something to keep your privacy. I don't know. Thank you. I always call myself a 20-something, even though I'm, like, mid-late 20s. It's not, like, that bad. But, like, I I just don't like to tell people. Okay. Because it's, like... Prejudices abound. That's true. But but they can bite me. I mean, that's true. I think once, like, from what you've told me, actually, mm-hmm. and everyone else in their 30s um, who I've ever been friends with, they've said it's actually just way better than being your 20s, and you don't really give a shit anymore that people are judging you for not being your 20s. You just don't give a shit. You yeah, just I don't, don't care. fucking care. I don't care. Yeah, and yet, like, in as soon as you hit 25, that's, like, all you care about. That's when I cared. I cared in my late 20s. Yeah, that's, like, the terror years yeah. where you're, like, this is the worst possible scenario that could ever you be happening so to me old. right now. Yeah, you're, like, holy shit, I'm going to be in my 30s. You have a whole existential crisis. Yeah, and then when you hit 30, you're, like, I don't care. I just don't care. That's why I no longer care. And our relatives, so I had a traumatic event happen to me. And our one of our relatives was trying to comfort me. I was 22 at the time. And they are like, well, once you're 46, uh, like us, you won't <laughs> care at all. Like, everything. Like, and it's not that they meant that I wouldn't care about the trauma. It was bad, so I will. But they were mm-hmm. like, but things just feel better. Because I was, like, beside myself. So I was like, okay, I want to be 46 right fucking now then. Right now. Yeah. Right now. Let's do it, God. Things start and to I feel better. Like, they feel much better. Yeah, and I'm guessing that they just continue to do that until you're our mom's age and you hit 60, and then yeah. you have another existential crisis that yeah. I'm witnessing in our mother. That's yeah. my fear, our you poor do. mother's yeah. existential crises. Oh, poor mom. That sucks. She's I mean, a... I would also be having a panic attack if I were turning 60. Uh, yeah. But that's because... I'm 34. Yeah. <laughs> I I just gave it all away. Yeah, you did. I know. But that's <laughs> fine. I, I, I believe we've mentioned your age before anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, I'm mid to late 20s, which is only a scant few years that yeah, uh, there's they can a range probably of. Narrow I'm sure you guys down. can figure it out. Yeah. You can probably guess. At your own Pepe Sylvia wall. You just, like, connect the dots with, like, red string. You're <laughs> like, I found him. I know the link. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It's all connected. And he's 20-something. I mean, that's true. The end. Uh, yeah. That's the other <laughs> They end. didn't manage to narrow it down. But, yeah, yeah like, ultimately, <laughs> after all that, they were like, I have figured out exactly what he wrote on his Tumblr already. They take a sip of coffee smugly. <laughs> <laughs> there's circles oh under their eyes yeah yeah they start tearing the papers off the wall but yeah no so that's that's my fan fiction of my own <laughs> topic so that's your fear is that your teeth are gonna fall out yeah and mine or is break all break into little pieces it was like it's my molar Aww. my first molar oh so you're attached to that i don't know one. i mean like it's might have been my favorite tooth if i had a favorite tooth Right? You don't know. I mean, I can't prove it wasn't. Exactly. That is a statement that cannot <laughs> neither be falsified nor proven. You can't prove it wasn't my favorite tooth. I can't. I'm very upset. Proof tooth. Proof. 
Pruth. <laughs> it's the the Pruth. That sounds like it was once a country somewhere in Eastern Europe before Russia oh, ate yeah. Eastern Europe, right? Like, I, it wasn't, but it sounds like one. It sounds like it. What if it is? Fuck. Sorry, Pruthians. <laughs> I... <laughs> We are not putting your, uh, your geolog- former country on blast. Geo- geographic location down. No. Yeah, <laughs> the general area <laughs> of what may have been. Um, <laughs> so, today for you, I have a wait, bad doctor. But first. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, well. We want to talk about... A podcast we're promoing. We want to tell you what to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And it's to listen to Horrifying History. Yes, so Secret Ghostbuster Cousin Brenda has a podcast <laughs> now, so you can right? listen to and more that, of her. You can't, like, imagine a better host than a Secret Ghostbuster Cousin, yeah. can you? No, no, you really can't. No, like, there's no better person to do a scary podcast. She does, like, scary things that have happened throughout history. So, this is... Horrifying History! A fact is something unchanging and can be verified. Opinion, on the other hand, is subjective and a person's point of view. History contains not only facts, but opinions to fill in the gaps. And it's these interpretations that feed urban legends. My name is Brenda, and I'm the host of Horrifying History, where you will hear about the unexplained, paranormal, and supernatural happenings that has stained the pages of history. Join us to hear these tales, and you can make up your own minds about what really happened in history. You can find us on any major podcast provider and on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to join our conversation. So that was horrifying history. That was so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We love her. Yeah. We. Well, I mean, we've had her as a guest on the podcast, our podcast, for uh, a couple times. So like, yeah, and she was great. She had good stories. She's good at telling stories. She's really good at it. That's what I noticed when I first met her. Yeah. I just like sat and listened to her tell me stories. Yeah, like, there are those, like, few people you meet who you actually, like, enjoy listening to. She's one of them. Yeah, she's one of them. Yeah, it's perfect that she decided to do a podcast because that's what they are. It's you forcing people to listen to you for hours (laughs) on end. That's what we do. Not really forcing. I mean... You clicked play. Okay. (laughs) Not us. The burden rests on your shoulders now. (laughs) They're just sitting somewhere tied to a chair with headphones on and... Like someone's holding a gun to their head. Listen to two (laughs) scared siblings. That's what we need. Hey, that would be the best advertising plan. Um, Marketing scheme. This is a marketing plan. It would be. You mean viral marketing? Is that what you're you're trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I know. I I can't can't wait. I'm just like, it's going to happen. Something. Marketing and ads. I mean, that's true. I also think it would cause a lot of manufactured outrage, which is all the rage currently. Well, uh, then we would get even more free advertising in the news. Yeah, and with people arguing over <laughs> whether or not this was ethical. And, and how it's, it's not. illegal. Yeah, just a spoiler, <laughs> that would not be ethical. No one or argue legal. over that. Yeah, legalities and ethics don't always, like, coincide, I no, find. No, they don't. Uh, speaking of which... Sort of, I guess. <laughs> I mean, some legal proceedings happen in this case of mine, which is about a bad doctor. So that's also ethical. Yeah, this is definitely, he was not a very ethical <laughs> he man. He was an unethical man. He was. That's the scary part. Which the is end. most doctors. I keep trying to end this Yeah, I know, you early. keep making that joke where you're like, haha, and that's it. I know. And I'm like, okay, but this, that joke happens every podcast. I know. <laughs> that's the end of that joke. It's because I'm super lazy. I'm I know. Like, 
like, hey, we're done, right? Oh, wait, we haven't started. (laughs) But I'm tired already. Uh, Well, (laughs) we are recording this late, but it's never too late to talk about bad doctors. No. So this is Donald Harvey, and he sucked. (laughs) And he also wasn't really a doctor, but I hate doctors, so I put it in the title. For some reason, Donald Trump just popped into my head. Like, as soon as you said Donald, I'm like, Trump! I mean, <laughs> he would also be a, a, a bad, bad doctor. doctor. Well, he's not a doctor, so yeah. Thank goodness. Can you imagine? I mean, he's well, the president of the United States, so that's country, really bad. So that's also scary. Yeah, I'm, what if he did both? Doctor, president. Oh, no. Uh, There'd be a lot of sick... Uh, I don't know. There'd be I don't I don't know if he can possibly like cause more illness, famine, and destruction to a population of people than he already does. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But this guy had a smaller population of people that he ruined. And basically, so a little little summary. Donald Harvey was a prolific American serial killer because they're all American. And prolific. And Serial killer does kind of imply that. Uh, So he was a serial killer and he was an orderly, actually, who claimed to have murdered 87 people. He claims a lot of different numbers throughout this, you will notice. Uh, Though (laughs) official estimates are between 37 and 57 victims. He conducted these murders during his time as a nurse. Um, He's not a doctor. No, he was like an orderly and then a nurse. Okay. Like I said, I wrote doctor in the title because I don't like them. Okay. And they're bad, too. That's reasonable. But nurses, you know, they're toeing the line as well. Some of them, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm, this guy crossed that line. So Harvey said he started killing to, quote, ease the pain of patients by smothering them with their pillows. He primarily murdered cardiac patients, so people who had troubles with their heart. As yeah. time progressed, however, he found he developed a taste for murder and became a self-described, quote, angel of death. Angels of death. I mean, that's the thing about angels is that they're not really supposed to do that. There's like one angel of death and they don't purposefully kill. They're coming to kill you anyway. Like you were already. You're dying and they're coming to take you to the afterlife? Yeah, basically, right? Angels of death. I'm I'm thinking of the (laughs) Moses story, right? (laughs) But this guy, he didn't get anyone to paint lamb's blood. Didn't even give them a chance. Um, Oh, jerk. Yeah, so bad naming there, Harv. So... (laughs) A bit of background on him. Um, Donald Harvey, a self who is a self-proclaimed quote old Plymouth boy. Ew. Yeah, doesn't sound good. I hate him already. Yeah, he was born in a uh, Butler County, Ohio, near Cincinnati, in 1952. Yeah, he was a boomer. He would be a yeah. boomer. Yeah. yeah. So he dropped out of school in ninth grade and began working at hospitals at the age of 18. Back when you could do that. His first medical job was as an orderly at the Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. Yeah, you can't get jobs like that without a high without. school diploma at least. At, you and can't. now you can't get like a medical job unless you've got a certificate. Like a degree certificate. An orderly would be like the equivalent of like a healthcare aide right now and you need like a one year certificate or something from Yeah. you know, a technical school. Yeah, and that'd be just to be an orderly, like, forget nursing, yeah. you're not going to work your way up. No, you can't work your way up to nursing. No, you You have can't. to go get a nursing degree. And then you exactly. can immediately be a nurse, but you have to go get the education. Yeah, but not in, I guess, the 60s when he would have been 18. And this is why boomers think that we're all lazy, because we can't get jobs, because you actually yeah. need education for them. You <laughs> yeah. can't just fucking walk into a hospital and be like, hey, can I be an orderly? And they're like, yep, that sounds good. Hey, can I handle patients? I have... Uh, my whole grade nine education. And, and an they're like, oh urge my. To murder, but God, it's you must be brilliant. Yes, come on in. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Onto the payroll you go. Onto, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, Harvey later confessed that during the 10-month period he worked at that particular hospital, he murdered at least a dozen patients, so he started right out the gate. His <laughs> second victim was actually killed in the same room as a 12-year-old t- uh, child named Danny George, so, like, he just murdered someone from, like... Right, in front of a child. ...while his kid's just, like, in the bed beside him, I guess. Yeah. For a long time, Harvey was insistent that he killed purely due to the empathy he felt for the terminally ill and their suffering, but uh, he also stated that many of the murders he committed were the result of a sense of rage that he felt toward the victims, which... What did they do? Oh, maybe because he was, like... Annoyed by having to... They were annoyed... Like, he was annoyed by having to bathe them or whatever? Yeah, having to do the job he signed up for. Yeah, which he shouldn't have had anyway. Yeah, no. Should have been a garbage man. Ah, man. And I think you need a high school diploma for that now. Uh, you need at least that. Yeah. 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 Not a degree, but high school diploma. Yeah. Yeah. No, you need a lot of skill for things now, like even cleaning. And that makes yeah. me sad because I've been cleaning this whole time and I don't get any credit for it at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, so... I think he probably did this more due to the rage, right? Like, you, we've all seen those angry-ass nurses and uh, candy stripers and whatever. They are angry. Yeah. They shouldn't be in those positions then, though. If you hate no. it so much, do something else. Yeah, do something else, especially before you do what this guy did. So, like, the full extent of his crimes may never be known because so many of them went undetected for, like, such a long time. It's easy to get away with harming people in hospital settings. Like, just want to put that note here because I fucking hate medical professionals. It is. Like, like uh, patients are just in such a position of vulnerability. Yeah. And they can't do anything because even if, yeah. you know, they're like, hey, this nurse is treating me like shit. Like, it's like, um, where are you going to go? It's like the mob. They'll back each other up. Like, doctors yeah. back each other up. Nurses back each other up. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's true. That's it is like the mob. Hospitals are like the mob. Yeah. Fuck Get out. Medical professionals. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Fuck them. And they don't respond to my tweets. Anyway. Jerks. Like mm. that's the worst thing. Well, the mob doesn't either, so Yeah, I know. I've been trying to get their attention Similarity. for a while. Yeah. Similarities. Hey boys, I got a job for you. <laughs> I know this nurse and <laughs> I know this nurse. I know yeah. this nurse, see. <laughs> <laughs> There's this guy, see? He's a nurse. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, the murders and conviction, because he did eventually get caught. Harvey used a few different methods of murdering his victims. He used arsenic, cyanide, insulin, suffocation, of course, uh, other miscellaneous poisons, which I'm assuming were like overdoses of various medications he'd have access to, one of which was morphine, turning off ventilators. How and- do you get away with that? Right? You just turn it off, wait for him to die, turn it back on, be like, what? Right? (laughs) I guess so. And they're just like, oh, his heart just stopped. It's just like, that keeps happening. We keep hiring people right out of grade nine. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Yeah. Probably not. Some guy who says he feels a lot of rage. Like, maybe they need some basic training, but I don't think, no. Nah, it's the 60s and we don't give a shit. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, administration of fluids that were tainted with hepatitis B and or HIV, which I'm glad he had them both in there, just in case, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, like, for his victims, uh, that part would result in a hepatitis infection, but no HIV infection, and usually led to severe illness rather than death. Oh. So that one was less reliable and weird. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
Because you can... Sh- okay. Plus, it takes a while to... It's slow. You don't die from HIV immediately. No. And it didn't result in an HIV infection? No. Why? I don't know. It's strange. I know. Maybe he did it wrong. Maybe he got his, like, I can't imagine he really knew what he was doing even when he wasn't trying to kill someone. So, and this one is gross. Nastily, he also inserted a coat hanger into a catheter, which obviously caused an abdominal puncture in the patient. Oh, my God. Yep. And they suffered uh, subsequent uh, oh peritonitis. God. Yeah. So, peritonitis, it's uh, inflammation of the, peritone- uh, the peritoneum. Blah, I hate that word. Which is basically the membrane that lines your inner abdominal wall and covers, like, your organs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know how they didn't notice the coat hanger catheter thing. Because that patient would be like, it he shoved the coat hanger up there. already had a catheter in. in. Yeah. And he probably could have done it, like, without the patient even seeing what he was doing. Oh. Ugh. Ugh. Gosh. But they would have felt it. Oh, yeah, no, of Unless course. the patient was, like, in a coma or something already, or I don't know. I highly doubt that the... Sp- Poor patient. But, um, uh, however, Harvey typically used cyanide and arsenic on patients the most often, right? And he administered them be, uh, like food, injection, uh, their IV drips. So, however, he could kill these people, he did. Yeah. The catheter thing probably was difficult. So, he, I don't know how many times he did that one. <sighs> um, the majority of his crimes took place at the Marymount Hospital, which is now named St. Joseph's in, uh, London, Kentucky. Also, the Cincinnati VA Medical Hospital and Cincinnati's Drake Memorial Hospital. At various points in time, he worked as an orderly, obviously, but even as an autopsy assistant, which, yikes. Uh, uh, and I mean, he actually should have just stayed So, like, the in people that, that he killed then came down to... Where he was helping work on them, maybe? Yeah, like... Ugh. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Yeah, he was stationed in very convenient areas for himself. Interestingly, though, uh, Harvey also did not limit his victims to hospital patients. When he suspected his lover and roommate, Carl Howler, of infidelity, he poisoned Howler's food with arsenic so he'd be too ill to leave their shared apartment, right? Great. Yeah, he also poisoned- one way. (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to keep someone by your side. He also poisoned two of his neighbors, causing illness to one of them, Diane Alexander, by slipping hepatitis serum into her drink, which- where is he getting all these? Hepatitises? <laughs> yeah, like, how many hepatitises does one man need? <laughs> so, like, but he did succeed in killing the other neighbor, Helen Metzger, by spiking her pie with arsenic. I'm not sure why this hospital carries so much arsenic and cyanide. I don't know either. Right? I. What's going on with you, 1960s? Are you okay? Jesus. Like, no, they aren't okay. Uh, that's true. They've made that quite clear. So he also murdered uh, Carl's father, Henry, with arsenic. So Just too, too many other people in good old Carl's life other than himself? Yeah, maybe. Like the neighbors and the father. I'm not sure what like, the story like, stop looking at was. my Carl! My Carl. Even you, Carl. Carl's father. And even Carl himself. <laughs> Like, geez, seriously, like, no wonder Carl wanted to fucking leave, Go. though he's around yeah, he's this guy like, who's, like, filled with rage. weird is going on with my, my darling Harvey here. Yeah, I'm not sure about this guy. Well, his first name's Donald, so my darling Donnie. That's the Donny. first warning. Yeah, that that's is the first that's red not a good flag. sign. It is, it is a red flag now, especially. So Harvey's crimes went undiscovered for about 17 years, right? That's because it's the 60s. Yeah, and a hospital. However, that began to change in March 1987, so... Also he, 70s. 
They weren't any better. Well, and this the is 80s the 80s, weren't apparently. great either. <laughs> Andrea, you're like, I speak from experience, having lived through each decade. All of them. At once. <laughs> to get it over with. It's like a Band-Aid, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. You just rip it off. So an autopsy on John Powell, who was a patient who had died abruptly after spending several months on life support due to a motorcycle accident, revealed large amounts of cyanide in his body. What? How'd that get there? Gee, I wonder. So Harvey became a person of interest when investigators learned he'd been forced to resign from the Cincinnati VA hospital after it had, like, come out that he'd been stealing body parts for, like, supposed occult rituals, supposedly. He was not careful. The source for this one was kind of off, so okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about, like, that specific. Okay. But I, I, he did something that got him fired, and it wasn't for murder because they didn't uh, – they just fired him. him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at the time, most hospitals did not vet orderlies as carefully as they did doctors or nurses. And back then, they probably didn't even vet doctors and nurses that much. So. No, apparently not. No. So when I they. Mean, we know this. Yeah. <laughs> we know. When they brought Harvey in for questioning, um, he confessed to Powell's murder, claiming he'd euthanized Powell with cyanide. Euthanized. Uh huh. Okay. Sure. That's not how you euthanize people. That's, it's never uh, done with cyanide. <laughs> no, and like, like at all, this guy could have come out of it, right? Like he was in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. I mean, he's either gonna die on his own, in which case you do not need to speed it up with or without cyanide, or he's not. Yeah. And then you just murdered someone. But I mean, he didn't have a problem with murdering. So when Pat Minar uh, Minarson, I think Minarkin could be. Yeah, so he was an anchor at the time at WCPO-TV in Cincinnati, and he, uh, like, delved into Harvey's history, right? Um, I believe it was uh, some of the nurses that Harvey had worked with who mentioned this. Yeah. He doubted that this was a, quote, one-off case, obviously. Yeah. Pat found it difficult to believe that someone who had spent almost two decades caring for patients could suddenly just kill one without having committed murder beforehand. And on the night of Harvey's arrest, Menarkin openly asked if there had been any other deaths. And it turned out that several nurses at Drake had noticed a spike in deaths for at least seven months. Um, and though they'd raised concerns with administrators, they'd, unshockingly, been ordered to keep quiet. Of course. Because mm-hmm. they don't give a shit. No, They're like you like, said, we need the people mob. to keep coming to the hospital and spending money. Yeah, like they protect their own. Like you said, yeah. yeah. Not wanting to risk Harvey being acquitted, these uh, these uh, nurses like they still reached out to Menarkin for help at least, and told him that there was evidence Harvey had murdered at least ten more people. So during the following months, Menarkin did heavy research into all these suspicious deaths, right? <laughs> And he amassed enough information to air a half-hour special report detailing evidence that linked Harvey to at least 24 murders in a four-year period. And he'd been able to stay under the radar in part because he worked in an area of Drake Hospital where patients were not expected to survive. Okay. It doesn't mention whether that's because it was a hospice setting or not, though. So, like, reading about that was alarming. Yeah, I guess. I mean, unless it's, like, palliative care. Yeah, and they um, didn't mention. You should kind of... Expect. expect that you might be able to save people yeah note to <laughs> hospitals i put that there i'm just like you should probably just be like a hopeless idealist and expect your patients to survive yeah just a thought yeah <laughs> agreed maybe go for that yeah so anyway when a harvey's uh court appointed lawyer bill whalen was briefed in advance about menarkin's findings he immediately asked harvey if he'd killed anyone else as well right 
and Harvey replied that by his, quote, estimate, he'd killed as many as 70 people. So the numbers are everywhere. Yeah. Um, Whalen knew that if prosecutors could link Harvey to more than one murder, Harvey could get the death penalty. Uh, so in a bid to save his client's life, he offered the case's prosecutors a deal. If the death penalty was taken off the table, Harvey would accept a sentence of life imprisonment and confess to all of his murders. <laughs> okay. Which, you know, That's... he's kind of already kind of back and forth about it, right? Yeah, uh, he may not know. I don't think he kept track is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, so... The prosecutors did agree to this, so in a marathon session with them, Harvey admitted to killing 24 people. See? He is back and forth. In August 1987, Harvey pleaded guilty to 24 counts of first-degree murder. In accordance with the plea agreement, he was sentenced to three concurrent life sentences in prison. However, (laughs) the plea agreement allowed prosecutors to seek the death penalty again if more murders came to light. Aha. So with this in mind, that November, Harvey pleaded guilty in Laurel County, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Circuit Court, to killing nine patients at Marymount in the 1970s. Nine, again. He was sentenced to life plus 20 years to run concurrently with the Ohio sentence. Ultimately, Harvey pleaded guilty to 37 murders. However, he, off the record, confessed to killing as many as 50 people. So basically, his murder numbers were all over the place. And the scary part is basically, like, we're never gonna really know, like, who of his patients died naturally and who died by his helping hand. Yeah, I know. Right? That's, yeah, it's annoying. It's creepy. Nowadays, you would. Yeah. Because they would have, they do, well... They'd record the deaths more. Not confident about this, but I think <laughs> I think <laughs> they look a little bit more into it. I would hope so. I'm yeah. hoping. Harvey was incarcerated in Toledo Correctional Institution, where he had been admitted on October 26, 1987, and his first parole hearing was scheduled for April 2013. But on March 28, 2017, so I'm not sure if it had been pushed back or not, Authorities reported that Harvey had been found in his prison cell, severely beaten, and he died on March 30th, 2017. So, he was beaten to death in prison. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, I mean, if he killed some kids and, like, he mentioned that offhandedly Mm -hmm. in jail, like, that could do it. Or he could have just irritated anybody. Yeah, there's really, that, yeah. That yeah. Could, uh, yeah. So on May 3rd, 2019, fellow inmate James Elliott was charged with aggravated murder and other charges related to the death of Donald Harvey. Yeah, so I wonder what they found he, the guy. Yeah. What he did? Yeah. Like, I wonder why he killed him. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. But I mean, I don't feel bad for him, so. No. Uh, it's just curiosity. Yeah. I'm just like, huh. Yeah. Was it something completely unrelated or was it like karma? I guess. I have to hold my papers like a peasant. (laughs) I feel like you can survive anything now. Now all all that you've been through, holding your papers, destroying (laughs) my microphone, which I'm going to have to edit out all this crap in the background. I Ah. didn't hit your microphone. Thank you. I do appreciate that. It doesn't like that. So I have also a case. Yes. What what is it? It is the case of Michael Perry. Okay. I feel like I should have heard this one, but I have not. I have never heard of this one. Okay. So you probably haven't. I don't even know how I came across this. Anyway. Yeah, honestly. And that was today. So I should <laughs> remember, but I don't. Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. Okay, so Michael Perry. Oof. He was a bad apple. Yeah. And there were warning signs. Of, there often are, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of first grade, when he was eight years old, 
He was diagnosed with ADD. At the end of seventh grade, he was diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder. Which sometimes go together in childhood, but most people with those don't commit murder. Yeah. Um, At the end of eighth grade, he was diagnosed with conduct disorder, which basically is antisocial personality disorder, but for kids. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hmm. Um, He was twice admitted to a mental hospital, but he wasn't found to have bipolar like they thought, and he didn't qualify as being learning disabled for special ed classes in elementary where he went, so he didn't get that. So he'd also been diagnosed with bipolar at some point? They thought maybe, or his parents thought, I think, but But like he was admitted to a mental hospital, but they found he didn't really have anything other than conduct disorder and oppositional defiance disorder and ADD. Okay. So, in junior high, he stopped going to school completely, and he would run away from home regularly, and then he would just come back when he felt like it. Okay. I wonder where he was going. I don't know. Uh, Probably just, like, staying on at friends' places or whatever, on couches. Um, He stole his mother's jewelry, and he tried to pawn it. (sighs) He stole his parents' van and ran it into a mailbox. He broke into a neighbor's house and tore their wallpaper and whittled their moldings. What? Yeah, like, took a knife to their nice wooden moldings in their house. And spent time whittling. Yes. Why? That's, like, so much effort. I don't know. It's just, like... Weird. Kind of like a big fuck you, I guess. I guess. (laughs) I would just key someone's car, honestly, because you can kind of do that and leave instead of breaking and whittling their molding. It sounds like he was making a point, like, yeah, I can just come into your house, do whatever I want, take his... However long as I want. Ooh, creepy. During that same time period, he was receiving counseling from psychologists and psychiatrists, so Mm -hmm. that's good. So his parents were trying to get him some help. Yeah. He was kicked out of an outbound class in Florida, Mm -hmm. and then his parents filed charges against him, and he was ordered by a court to attend a long-term facility for health care. Whoa. Yeah. His parents filed charges, hey? Yeah, they finally did. Um, oh, yikes. We could tell they kind of, like, they were trying. So well, they were, but apparently there was probably more going on, too. There that must was, have been. Like, there might have been. Scaring yeah. them, yeah. Who knows? Um, in September 1997, he was sent to Fon- Father Flanagan's Boys Town in That's Nebraska. Catchy. Which sounds terrible. Father Flanagan's Boys Town sounds really bad, yeah. <laughs> Father like- Flanagan was this guy who was born in like 1880s. Whoa. And he started like a not-for-profit organization that was meant to help like young boys with basically behavior issues. Yeah. To try to get them like, you know, more integrated into society and get them, you know. Yeah. Their education to... and start behaving and, yeah. Yeah, like it was one of those, like, yeah. And this, it's still around, obviously, and he, they, um, they just help kids and families with, like, living together and getting their kids on the right path, basically. Okay. Um. So apparently that didn't work with Michael. No, it didn't. <laughs> so three months after he got there, he threatened the house parent, saying, quote, you know, you people work here. I don't know why you work here. People like me are going to rape or kill your kids, you know. What? Yeah. Well, maybe you are, Michael, but not everyone's thinking that. Yeah. Some people are just normal troubled. (laughs) (laughs) So he was immediately sent to the locked facility at Boys Town for four months. Because they figured he was dangerous after that threat, right? Yeah, like they thought maybe he was actually going to do that to some of the kids in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, He didn't have the level of depression or any DSM-4 disorder to warrant the mental health care that was provided at Boys Town. Oh, no. So his parents, B, 
began to be like be afraid that they weren't going to be able to control him or fix it. Yeah. Um, so they sent him to Casa by the Sea, which is a secured high school campus in Mexico. Okay. Basically, jail school. Yeah. Oh no. But not really. It's just like this, yeah for, for people who kids with yeah behavioral issues yeah. issues like dangerous yeah. Um. Who knows how that place was? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. So he graduated high school, but he didn't graduate from the program at Casa by the Sea, which is obviously meant to, like, fix behavioral issues at the same time as you're doing high school. So he got through the high school part. But he didn't. um, But he didn't finish the program, the behavioral program. Oh, no. And he left on his 18th birthday. Yeah. So except for about four to six months he spent in the Job Corps and four months in Houston – and a brief stay with his parents. He was essentially homeless after leaving Casa by the Sea. Oh. And he stayed short periods with acquaintances and in shelters. And except for the four to six months in the Job Corps and laying tile in Houston and a month at Walmart, <laughs> he remained unemployed after leaving Casa by the Sea. So he was just, like you said, like couch surfing and whatever. Yeah. Uh, To support himself and to buy alcohol and pills, he stole and sold pills and other things. He would just steal items and sell them. (laughs) To buy – to have money to buy pills, I sold some pills. (laughs) Yep. Those weren't the good pills. (laughs) Like, okay. Also to buy alcohol. So maybe when he had lots of pills, he needed to buy some alcohol. He just balanced it. Yikes. Okay. On October 2nd, 2001, he was arrested for presenting a fake prescription for 100 Xanax. Well, duh, that's fake. What were you thinking, Michael? 100 Xanax. Yeah, 100 Xanax. Like, no one's going to prescribe 100 Xanax to you at one time. No, that's unusual, right? Uh, That'd be a really big Xanax bottle. (laughs) What? (laughs) I know, those things are gigantic. The night before his arrest, Perry pointed – this is Michael. Michael Perry. Yeah. Uh, The night before his arrest, Michael Perry pointed a loaded shotgun at Jason Burkett, which is his friend friend that he – that's a crime with later. Oh, no. So he pointed a loaded shotgun at Jason Burkett's girlfriend's head and oh. said, I have already killed somebody. It's not going to hurt me to kill anyone else. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I wouldn't be friends with him anymore if they were Jason. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. And he is not invited to your birthday party. <laughs> that is the last straw. I have a new best friend now, Michael. <laughs> It's not you. And they don't point shotguns at my girlfriends. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. <laughs> I know I said that with, like, deep consideration. But that's probably just, the point I where you shouldn't. maybe. I don't think I'd be his friend anymore. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> maybe it was the first time he did something like that to j- someone Jason knew personally. Maybe. Right? Like, I don't know. Or Jason just cooled it and the poor girlfriend's just like, I hate this relationship. <laughs> yeah. I really don't like this. She's like, Jason, I really don't like your friends. But. And he's like, why? What's wrong, babe? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Michael's geez. cool. He just does that sometimes. Yeah, it's an it's an inside joke. Don't worry about it. It wasn't even loaded. See, he Except like aims it, it to the ceiling. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like blows it. Blows yeah. a hole. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the crime. What you've all been waiting for. Oh, boy. So in October 2001... Michael Perry and his friend Jason Burkett decided they needed to get themselves a vehicle or two. So on October 24th, they went to the Montgomery home of Sandra Stotler. Perry entered the house through the garage, shot Sandra with a shotgun, and they dumped her body, which was later found floating in Montgomery County's Crater Lake. 
poor Sandra. Yeah. Like, she was just this random lady, wasn't she? Yeah. They then went back to the gated community where Sandra lived and waited outside the gate until her son, Adam Stotler, and his friend, 18-year-old Jeremy Richardson, arrived. Oh, no. They lured the two teens to a wooded area and killed them. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, if some, like, because you're a teen at the time, right? Like, And someone's, like, waiting around your house, and they're just like, hey, come hang out. And you don't know that these people have just, like, murdered your mother. Well, and they're teens, too. Michael Perry was 19 at this time. Yeah, they probably just thought they were going to, like, yeah, maybe they just thought they were going to, like, smoke pot or something, or be sold pills or something. Yeah, like, when you're 18, you don't think other 18 and 19-year-olds are going to kill you. No, not typically. Not your first assumption. I mean... I'm in my 20s, and I expect other 20-somethings not to kill me either. Yeah. I would appreciate that. So, you know. Whoever's listening right now, they're like, (laughs) well, I'm still 19 and three quarters, so I can. (laughs) 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 Um, So Perry and Burkett drove Adam's son's car, which was a white Isuzu Rodeo, whatever that is, back to Sandra's home Mm -hmm. and stole her Camaro. So they got two cars. Yeah. On Tuesday morning, October. October 30th, Montgomery County Sheriff's Corporal found Perry Burkett and another man in the white Isuzu Rodeo at a truck stop. Hmm. The vehicle hit the corporal's car in the process of fleeing, but the officer shot out the back passenger tire and the vehicle crashed into a nearby store. Oh my gosh. So they ran out of the car and they climbed a fence with a shotgun and ran to a nearby apartment complex where the police arrested them. Of course the cops only care once they've bumped into their car. I know, they're just like... Those kids with shotguns seem all right. Oh, that's my bumper. That is now, a scratch. Now I'm going to get them. Like, <sighs> with my gun. Where did this take place again? Uh, this is Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. In Montgomery County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shoot first, ask questions later is kind of their thing. It is. Um, I mean, it's what they're known for. Sorry, Texas. I'm sure you're all right. <laughs> Sometimes. We kind of love you from I afar. Do. I, 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 yeah, I've got friends in Texas. It's Don't worry about it. It's unrequited. Well, Texas is like, well, I was starting to have feelings for you, but not now. <laughs> fucking unappreciative <laughs> they just turn off the, the podcast and stomp away they like throw down the bouquet oh, of roses they're gonna they bring us <laughs> yeah. sorry texas they're like they're like sobbing as they flush the ring down the toilet okay, yeah now i feel now i feel bad for texas me too personified texas sorry texas sorry imaginary personification of texas yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> this, what So after they gave them their Miranda warning, Mm -hmm. the detectives took a statement from Perry in which he admitted to the crime. So he was actually convicted and sentenced to death, you know, after a long whole thing. Yeah. Um, But he recanted pretty much immediately after he was indicted. Like he he recanted almost immediately after his confession. Yeah. So he's probably like bragging and then like realized, oh shit, they're actually going to kill me. Yeah. He was saying that they were like, he was coerced and stuff Mm. when they questioned him. Um, yeah, right. And he, like, at his execution, well, I'm losing my words. <laughs> at his execution, he said, quote, I want to let everyone here who is involved in this atrocity know they're forgiven by me. Because uh, he's, like, claiming he's innocent, he's still right? still trying to, yeah. He sobbed, teared up, mouthed, I love you to his mother in the witness room, then whispered, I'm coming home, dad, twice. What? Yeah, twice he said, I'm coming home, dad. Because I guess his dad was dead. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe his dad passed away in this time, but... 
So July 1st, 2010, at the age of 28, he gasped four times before falling silent and was pronounced dead. Yikes. His he was trying to say that he was uh, innocent because he'd said that he was in a jail or in a, in a jail in jail <laughs> on an unrelated traffic was. charge at the time of the deaths, and he said that his former friend and co-defendant Burkett had done all the shooting, hmm. and Burkett is serving a life sentence. Burkett actually bragged so when they were trying to you know prove. Uh, Perry's innocence. Yeah, they um, his lawyers brought forward this like testimony from a jail inmate where Briquette had bragged about killing all three of them to oh. him. Oh, so it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but he might have just been saying that to be like uh, like a tough guy in jail, right? Because yeah, it's it's. I mean, he also did hang out with guys who pointed shotguns at his. Well, and he was so. there with the kill. Like he he, he also. Was there. Did the killing technically? Like he's also been sentenced to life in prison. Yeah, um, and this and guy, like uh, Perry, might not have been a murderer. He may have just been that troubled and thought about it. Maybe because it sounds like he's made a ton of threats, but who knows? They didn't prove if he shot those kids or not. I right? suspect he did. So Perry's yeah. lawyers claimed that Burkett killed Sandra and then brought the car, brought her car to Perry. So then Burkett like did all the killing and. And just brought his friend along for the ride or whatever. And just brought him the car. That's the claim. Okay. Like grabbed the car and then picked up Perry. That's yeah. so. It's so hard to tell. It's hard right? to tell, and but it, I mean, it either... sounds more like they just did it together and then tried yeah. to blame each other to get out of trouble. And that's probably the most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a sad one. Jeez. Yeah, it's a bummer. How did they uh, execute him? Like he gasped. So I'm guessing this wasn't. It sounds like lethal injection, probably. That injection. I don't really know, but should have been a little faster than four gasps later. But yeah, no. Yikes. Yeah, it. Well, it's a couple of different things that they. Yeah. 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 Anyway. On on that cheery note. <laughs> um. Uh, st- stay in school, kids. Tweet at us. Do Twitter that us. too. Twitter at us. school. At two scared sibs. While yes. you're sitting in school. Yeah. Not killing people. Thank you. That is exactly what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tweeted us two scared sibs, like you said. And what's your personal, Andrea? At Andrea Noel three. Mine's at Toy Carousels, and you can email us uh, your own stories that are not murder confessions or anything like this at uh, two scared siblings at gmail dot com. Yeah, anything weird or creepy that's ever happened to you, weird nightmares, anything you want, send us an email. Yes. Yeah, and join our Patreon, uh, Patreon dot com slash two scared siblings. If you've got some uh, cash to spare, you can make yeah. us say crazy things. You get bonus episodes. So and do that. We have a couple crazy things. We've had some requests, so we didn't do it this time because I forgot to bring the email. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We will do it next yeah. time. Yes, next time uh, for our uh, $1 tiers and $5 tiers. For those yeah. of you who have made requests, we will start doing the crazy weird things next episode. Yes. Okay. All right. So now's the part where, to cheer you up, hopefully, we give you a smooch. <laughs> Sleep well.